You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a Bible doctrine series by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. All right, take your Bibles, open them up, keep them open, because we're going to run all over the scriptures tonight as we do every single Wednesday night. Let me get a drink here. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and help us in our study here of the doctrine of angels as we work our way through of all that the Scripture has to say about these angelic beings and what their ministries are and how they are involved even in our lives, although we may not recognize it. And so, Lord, bless your word tonight as it is taught. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you know, we're always going to do our review on what the Bible says about angels. Now, remember, don't listen to what the world has to say about angels. All right? One thing the world will tell you is angels are always female. There are no female angels. All right? Not according to the word of God. Each night, I kind of pick a verse that has to do with angels, and I throw it up there just to kind of get us going in this direction. And this is one I chose for tonight. Likewise, I say unto you, there is what? There is joy in, in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. You know what that tells me? That tells me angels know what's going on down here on earth. And every time someone gets saved, the trumpet blows, the angels praise the Lord there around the throne because there's nothing that gets them more excited than someone getting saved. Amen? All right, so let's do our review uh, over where we've been so far in our study of the angels. We've been focusing now on the ministry of angels. A lot of things that we went over prior to this, but then we started to look at what are the ministries that the angels have. And by doing that, we had to look at the different types of angels that are mentioned in the Scripture. Now, by going over this review, you should become very familiar with the various types of angels. What's the first one we put up there? The archangels. They were Michael and Gabriel are the archangels mentioned in scriptures. No indication that there's any more archangels. Then there were the cherubims and then the seraphims. Very similar, but they have a little bit different ministry and a little bit different appearance. Matter of fact, coming up in the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at the various appearances of all the angels and what the various angels look like. It's really interesting. So we've studied the cherubims, we've studied the seraphims. Last week we talked about the ruling angels, and we'll kind of refresh ourselves with that tonight. And then we're going to get into this evening looking at the guardian angels. Although we've met them before, we haven't particularly just focused on what the Bible says. And I think you're going to be surprised tonight at what the Bible says about the guardian angels. And then... uh, Next week, we're going to be looking at the angel of the Lord. Who is the angel of the Lord? We'll be looking both in the Old and also in the New Testament. In fact, the angel of the Lord is mentioned 64 times in the Bible, so we want to find out what his identity is next week. So we looked at the archangels. we got Michael and Gabriel. One is an angel of warfare. The other was a messenger angel. Being an angel of warfare, we find Michael engaged in warfare throughout the scriptures, both in the Old and also in the New Testament. And there was a what? War in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, 
and the dragon fought and his angels. We know, of course, Michael prevails. Then there was Gabriel, and we find several. We'll actually touch on this next week. We find several uh, appearances of Gabriel as he brings messages from God directly to individuals. And one we're most familiar with is when he brought the announcement to Mary that she would be birthing the Christ child. Then we begin to look at the seraphims and the cherubims here. These, uh, uh, actually, the Bible calls them beast. And the reason it calls them beast is because of their appearance. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like under crystal in the midst of the throne. And round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a, like a lion. The second was like a calf. And the Old Testament calls it an ox. The second was like a calf or an ox. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth had the appearance of a flying eagle. And we kind of went into detail as to why these seraphim angels appear like this. Now remember that they, they fly around the throne day and night, 24-7. What do they sing? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. So they are singing angels, the seraphims, bringing praise, honor, and glory to the Lord. Then we looked at the, the cherubims. Cherubims are not mentioned in the New Testament. The seraphims are. Cherubims are mentioned only in the Old Testament. And we find they have a similar appearance, uh, but they are still at the same time, I guess you would say, quite different. Uh, they, instead of each having an individual face, they all have what? They all have four faces. They have the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an eagle. On the back side is the face of an ox or of a calf. Instead of having six wings, they have, they have four wings. A little bit different than the seraphims. Also, it says they have cleft feet, like a like an ox would have. And doesn't say anything like that about the seraphims. Also says they have hands underneath their wings. And when they fly, they fly in groups of four, all connected to each other uh, when they fly. I just love, this is one of my favorite pictures ever. I just love this picture. And uh, here we find the uh, cherubims. We see the uh, wings. This one has the face of a man. We see the four wings. Uh, but around him is a what? wheel. Remember that song? Ezekiel saw the wheels way up in the middle of the air. And uh, it's a very good artist portrayal here of the wheels. They have two rings, one inside the other, full of eyes. Where, and each of the cherubims have their own wheel. Okay? And the Bible tells us that if they go up, the wheels go up. If they go down, the wheels go down. If they go sideways, then the wheels go sideways with them. So the wheels always are there, spinning out the glory of God. Just a firework display there in heaven with these wheels. Just an amazing thing. I have not seen nor heard, neither have entered in the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Can't wait to get to heaven to see some of these things. And don't come up to me in heaven and say, Pastor, you weren't quite accurate when you put that picture up. I know some of you are going to do that. So really, if you want to take the ministry of the seraphims and the cherubims and boil them right down together, even though they're a little bit different, uh, it's all to the glory of God that these angels here exist. Then last week, we really got into looking at the ruling angels. Uh, the Bible says a lot about them. And so God has ranks of angels just like we would in military service, from private all the way up to uh, five-star general. 
So there is a hierarchy among the angelic rank. Remember, Satan was part of that hierarchy, wasn't he? Before he fell. As we looked at the various ranks of angels given to us in the Word of God, it doesn't tell us this is rank one, rank two, rank three, rank four, rank five. And so we're kind of left up to our own imagination to figure out what the various ranks of the angels are. And I'm not sure how they rank, but in my opinion, the archangels would be way up there. Okay? Only appears to be two of them. Uh, We find 300 times just the name angel mentioned in a generic sense. So I would say those are the privates down there in the bottom. And you would have the archangels then, the arch, the ark up on the top. And then underneath them may be some of the angels are talked about as being uh, princes. Some are talked about as cherubims and seraphims. And I'm not sure the order that 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 would fit into, but they're high ranking. Then some have thrones, uh, the Bible says. Others are called authorities. Remember, we looked at all these scriptures. I'm not just throwing this up here. We looked at all the scriptures Last week, if you have, listen, if you ever get behind on one of these studies, you can catch up by going online, okay, and uh, listening. Uh, then there's the principalities. Remember, principality means a prince over palities with power, okay? Again, another authority figure in the angelic rank. Then you have dominions, and then you have powers, and then you have might. So, uh, again, this is just the order that I put them in. It may not be correct. I don't know if anyone could get a correct order uh, unless you die and go to heaven. So we find this uh, information given to us in the Bible, and then we kind of took this and we applied it to the fact that God is a God of authority. Remember where we were last week? God is a God of authority. He has a structure of authority. God is not the author of confusion, so he gives different roles, uh, not only in the angelic realm, but also in the human realm. We all have authorities that we're to be subject to and we're to be busy about the Lord's work. These angels are subject to authority. The ones that fell weren't, right? They weren't under authority, kicked out of heaven, along with the devil. Uh, But these angels are confirmed in their holiness and they operate under those ranks of authority. Do you think there's any jealousy among the angels? There's no jealousy among the angels, all right? They're all working well together in their roles. That brings us up to tonight. That didn't take too long. That brings us up to tonight. Tonight we're going to be looking at the guardian angels in Scripture. If you're taking notes, get You want to fly like an angel here tonight as we go through this. Lots of Scriptures that we're going to be looking at tonight concerning guardian angels. The first one I want to put up there, what's this a picture of? The lion's den, Okay. Or more accurately, the den of lions. Okay? So it says here, then the king commanded and brought Daniel. Why did he bring Daniel? Because Daniel wasn't obeying the decree of the king. Daniel was going to pray anyway. And he prayed to God. And so he's arrested and he's brought. He cast him into a den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, um, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee? Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste. This all comes from chapter 6. I'm just grabbing a few verses here for time's sake. Then the king rose very early. You know why the king did this? Because he loved Daniel. <laughs> I mean, when Daniel was arrested and brought before him, he felt really bad that he had even signed that edict. That he even had to cast Daniel into the den of lions. So first thing in the morning, he goes to see if Daniel's still alive. Of course, we know that Daniel was. 
Then said Daniel, O king, uh, unto thy, unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth, and they have not hurt me. I think you would call that a guardian angel, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Uh, some, someone asked me, they said, do you think we all have guardian angels? And I said, well, I'll kind of deal with that tonight. They said, well, do you think I have a guardian angel? I said, you definitely have a guardian angel or you'd be dead by now. <laughs> and then they asked me another question. They said, well, when I die, does my guardian angel get assigned to someone else? I said, when you die, your, your guardian angel's going to retire. That's what he's going to do. All right, here we got Moses. All right, let's find out Moses uh, taking the people into the promised land and what God says about a guardian angel here. Behold, I send an angel before thee, that guardian angel before thee, to keep thee in the way and bring thee into a place which I have prepared. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee uh, unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the otherites, and I will cut them off. So here we find a guardian angel, right? Uh, going to warfare for the sake of God's people and just kind of clearing the way for them so they can inherit the promised land. Let's go to the next one. Okay. What's this story of? This is Peter. Who got Peter out of prison? His guardian angel. Remember, the church was praying for his release. But his guardian angel came and got him out of prison. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. He was kind of relaxing down there, wasn't he, in jail? And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow. Get your coat and let's go. Let's get out of here. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel. But he thought he saw what? Thought he's dreaming. I'm dreaming this thing here. I'm really in prison, but yeah, this can't be real. Well, it was real. When they were past the first and the second ward, I mean, he was in confinement. I mean, he was down there. He was in, uh, what do you call it, Greg? What do you call that inner? Come on, you're a prison guard. What do they call that inner part? The segregation. Okay, he was down there. I mean, he, he was locked down. He was locked down. Uh, well, so when they got past the first ward, they got past the second ward, they came to an iron gate that leadeth into this city, which opened to them of his own accord. Now, we take that for granted because we walk into a grocery store and the door just opens, right? Could you imagine Peter walking up to that gate and the gate just opens by itself? He's I got to be dreaming. <laughs> I got to be dreaming this which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him, and he realized, I'm awake. Okay? Remember then he went to the house where the church was and knocked on the door, and Rhoda comes to the door and slams the door. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great story. Let me tell you, the Bible's full of great stories. Come on now, isn't it? And, you know, as I was working on this, and actually I was working on the next angel lesson, today, I thought how important it is to teach our children the stories of the Bible. You know, because when I'm going through things, it immediately should come to your mind that story.
You should know that story. You should know that story. Now, as we get older, we can make more applications of that story. Uh, but you should know the stories of Scripture. All right, let's go to the next story then. What's this a picture of? Okay, when the three angels appeared to Abraham. Now, next week, we're going to really get into this story because one of those angels was, guess what? Was the Lord Jesus, was the angel of the Lord. Uh, Christophanes. We'll get into what a Theophanes is and what a Christophanes is. Uh, But remember what the Bible says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels, what? Unawares. Here is uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah uh, entertaining these angels. Remember how he told his servant to go get a kid and kill the kid, and they were going to have a nice uh, dinner together. Uh, But entertaining angels unawares. Do you think it's possible that you have entertained an angel unawares? It's possible that we don't even know. Okay? It's, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. You know why? That's, that's why we should be good to everybody we come in contact with. One of them may be an angel, and if you're not good to them, they may tell on you. Okay? All right. You all are not being too cooperative tonight, okay? Now we come to another one. This is Daniel. We've already touched on this passage of Scripture in the past. You may remember. This is where Daniel was praying and doing that spiritual warfare. He was trying to get the vision of end-time events so he could record them in Scripture for us. Uh, But it says, um, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Who did we identify the prince of the kingdom of Persia as? Satan. That's right. As we look at the context and study it, we see that that was Satan behind that earthly power. Withstood me one and twenty days, but though Michael... Now wait, Michael was what? He was an archangel, but here he's also being used as a guardian angel. Isn't that interesting? But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. He was my guardian. He came and helped me there. Uh, Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall the people in the latter days. Thank God for the revelation of Daniel that Michael uh, was able to help him get that... uh, from the Lord. Uh, But I will show thee that which is noted in the scriptures of truth. The Bible is truth. Do you believe that? It is really the only source of absolute truth that we have in this world. It says, and there is none that that holdeth with me in these things. There's, There's no one that's really there guarding me and helping me and supporting me, but Michael, your prince. So Daniel recognized Michael as one of his guardian Angels. I super love this picture. And when I saw this picture, I was reminded of a story I heard of a missionary. And this was several years ago who was in one of the tribes there in Africa. This was, this was years gone by. And, and the warriors were coming to kill him and his family. And he was just there in his little hut, unprotected. And when the warriors came... Uh, to attack him, they then ran away. And later he found out the reason why they ran away is because all around were angels with fiery swords protecting that home that he was in. And when the native warriors saw that, they were so afraid they just ran away. I think that's super cool. 
Okay? And you may be saying that God can't do You want to make a bet God can't do that? Of course he can. Of course he can. But I just loved that picture when I came across it. I said, I have got to use this. And here's a verse to go along with this. This poor man cried, just like that missionary was crying, Lord, help us. Nothing they could do to defend themselves. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And then it says, And the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus concerning guardian angels that he has given to precious little children. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better that a millstone were hung about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Who just said that? Sweet, loving Jesus. See, this is, what, this is what I've been trying to get across to you all these years that I've pastored. We cannot make Jesus out who we want him to be. Jesus is who he is and who the Bible declares him to be. Jesus loves children. You mess with children, you're messing with the wrath of God. It'd be better for a millstone to be hung around their neck. You know, <clears throat> think about that when you're ministering to those little snotty-nosed, bratty little bus kids. God loves them. God has a special love for children. So much so that I believe he gives these children these angels. And then it goes on to say, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. That's what the disciples were doing. Get those kids out of here. They're just bothering and messing things up and taking you out of the ministry. There's more important things for you to be doing than putting these children up on your lap and blessing them. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Whose angels? Whose angels? Their angels, the children's angels. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool? He didn't say that to the angels. Are they not all, what kind of spirits? Ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation. How many of you here are an heir of salvation? You know what, there's folks that are heirs of salvation don't even know it yet. Don't even know that they're going to be saved someday. But their angels are keeping them safe until that day that they come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. That's right, Mike. Praise the Lord. I just had to put this picture up there. I just love this. You know, one of my favorite things about doing PowerPoints, it takes me seriously. It takes me, you can ask my wife, it takes me about two days. I mean, two full days to put together a PowerPoint presentation for you for Wednesday night. My favorite part is when I come across pictures like this. They just... Now, Goliath had no idea 
who was standing behind David. Right? He couldn't see into the spirit. But listen to what David said. Then said David to the Philistine. Remember, Goliath was nine foot six inches tall. David was just a little boy. Okay? The head of his spear, the head of his spear weighed about what I weigh, 125 pounds. I do weigh 125 pounds. Plus. Not times. Well, you won't laugh at my jokes, but yeah, you'll have it. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord, here it is, of what? Host. What was one of the names that we saw last week that was given to angels? The host. The Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. So David takes his little sling. Remember, the only, the only vulnerable spot that Goliath had on his whole body was that little part right here at his forehead. You know what I kind of think? I kind of think either the angel grabbed that stone, right? Or either the angel grabbed the back of the head of the giant, just kind of moved it over a little bit. <laughs> Otherwise, David could have taken credit for it. But he didn't. He gave all the credit to the Lord. So he takes that sling. Um, I don't know how many of you know the whole story behind this, but when he went down to the brook and he picked up those stones, how many stones did he pick up? Five. Picked up five. Okay. Something crawling in the back of my head. Nasty fleas, you know. <laughs> Picked up five smooth stones. Now, you ask yourself the question, why did he pick up five? Did he not have the confidence that he could bring that giant down with one stone? That's right. When you study the scripture, you'll find out Goliath had four brothers. <laughs> Guess what happened to those four brothers when uh, Goliath went down? They took off, right? They took off. But anyway, down he goes. And the Lord gets all the praise and the honor and the glory. He is the Lord of hosts. Now, here's another picture. What is this story? Lot, okay? This is the story of Lot being literally dragged out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Not only was he dragged out, but his two daughters were and his wife were dragged out of the city by what? Their angels. And when the morning arose, you know prior to the morning the angels showed up and remember how all that nasty stuff the men of Sodom were trying to do to him. And almost sounds like our society, doesn't it? All the 
nasty, wicked, perverted, sexual things that we're hearing now. And you've got to turn the news off all the time, don't you? Just, oh, turn that off. We're, listen, we are such a perverted culture. <laughs> Debbie, that's not you, is it? So I'll watch Debbie go out. Are you embarrassed, Deb? When the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the what? Iniquity. We are an iniquitous nation. Be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he what? Lingered. Come on, Lot. Man, he had had a lot of investment there in the world, hadn't he? Big shot in the city. Set at the gate. Probably had a very nice home. It's a wealthy man. Didn't want to leave it behind. And while he lingered, the men, these angels laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. They were reluctant to leave as well. And the Lord being merciful, that, that was merciful of the Lord. The Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And if you look at that picture and you look back, what do you see? You see his wife, who just had to look back. Remember what the angel said? Don't, whatever you do, do not look back. But her focus was so much upon her life in the past and what she thought she was losing, she lost it all. The only time she ever was a salty Christian was right here. Very sad story. What is this a story of? Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego, and King Nebuchadnezzar, who built this golden image to his own honor and glory, and commanded that everyone bow down and worship that image. And if they did not bow down and worship the image, they would be thrown into the fiery furnace, the furnace of fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when everyone else bowed down, you can see everyone else bowing down, what are they doing? They were independent, fundamental Baptists, no doubt about it. They are standing up. You know what they said? I love, I said, God, if you ever put me to that type of test, I pray that I say the same thing. Nebuchadnezzar, be it known unto you, we will not bow down and worship your image. Even if you throw us into the fiery furnace, we are not going to bow down and worship your image. But we also want you to know that if our Lord doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace, we are still not going to bow down and worship your image. Whether our angel saves us or not, it's not, it's not the issue. We're not bowing down. Well, into the fiery furnace they went. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake unto Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Ye servants of the Most High God, come forth! 
and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. Remember how Nebuchadnezzar said, I threw three men in there, but now I see four. And then he made a statement. He said, the fourth man that I see looks like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his what? Angel. Whether that was the Lord Jesus or not, I don't know. You know what? I think it probably was. But the Bible doesn't say. He just said it looks like the Son of God. But sent forth his angels and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies and have, um, might not serve nor worship any god except their god. Therefore I decree, I love it, every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we just got to trust God and put him to the test so that the world sees there is a living God. All right, here's another story. And this story is found in Acts chapter 27. And I wish we had time to read the whole story, but this is where, remember how the disciples told Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Remember that? If you go to Jerusalem, things are not going to go well. You're going to get arrested. Everything's going to go bad. And Paul said, listen, I'm willing to die for Christ. I'm going to Jerusalem to preach the gospel. Goes to Jerusalem to preach the gospel. What they say, he gets arrested. Okay? He gets put on a ship, and he's now going to be sent to, from Israel to Italy and to Rome because he's a Roman citizen, so he has to be tried before Caesar because that was his appeal. I want Caesar to hear my case. Before they left on this ship, Paul told them what? Does anybody remember? Don't go. Our lives will be in peril. There's going to be an incredible storm. Don't go. This isn't the time to go. Well, who's going to listen to a preacher? Right? Some nutty preacher. Captain takes off. This, this boat was full of prisoners, all chained together. And Paul somehow had had a great influence upon the Roman guard that was guarding them all. He had real respect for Paul. So here's what's happening. Just like Paul said, this terrible storm kicks up. Listen to this. This storm lasted for 14 days. This storm was so bad, everyone was absolutely petrified in fear of their life. There was nothing they could do. They had thrown, remember how they threw everything. At the end, they even threw all the tackling out. They threw everything they could out of the ship to lighten the ship so it wouldn't sink. Everyone's scared to death. Here's what Paul said. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Oh, yeah, right. Give good cheer. Yay, we're in the storm. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. 
Only the ship is going to suffer loss. For there stood by me this night the what? Angel. This guardian angel. The angel of God, whose I am. And whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. You know what they did? They ate up the last bit of food they had. So they're listening to what Paul had to say. They finally come close to shore. And they're afraid they're going to be destroyed on the rocks. Okay? Now, the word was, if anything like this ever happened, every single prisoner was to be put to death. But for some reason, God put in the heart of the captain of the guard to release every prisoner. So he opened their chains, and he basically said, every man for yourself. Everyone that can swim, swim. And the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. Their purpose was to kill them all. And commanded that they that could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. That's a miracle. Okay, you can only attribute that to that that was able to get them all there to safety. And Paul said, and we all in and we were all, we were in all in the ship, two hundred and three score and sixteen souls. Two hundred and seventy-six people were saved. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Milta. Wow, I cannot believe how long this has taken me. Psalm 91, verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Now, <clears throat> I want to take a real close look at Psalm 91. So let's go there. Psalm 91. The devil used this psalm, took it out of context, and tried to use it to tempt the Lord Jesus there on the, the mount in the wilderness. I've broken Psalm 91 down into two portions, verse 1 through verse 13, and then verse 14 through verse 16. So let's, uh, let's go ahead. Uh, why don't we just read this together, right? You got your Bibles there, or you can look up on the screen here if you can see it that far. Ready? Let's read. And he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with the feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be in thy shield and buckler, and shalt not be afraid of terror by night, nor for the arrow that, nor for the pestilence that work darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth in the noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh to thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. 
because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even my most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall trample underfoot, under feet. Now let's go to verse 14 through verse 16. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I happen to use a Bible, uh, uh, a Bible called the King James Study Bible. It is the best study Bible I've ever had. I've used a number of different Bible study, uh, study Bibles. Uh, but the notes in the King James Study Bible are excellent. The cross-references are phenomenal. Uh, the doctrine is sound in the King James Study Bible. So I'd encourage you, if you want to invest in a good study Bible, get the King James Study Bible. And I looked at the notes that went along with Psalm 91. I want to put them up here for you because I thought they were so good. The key word to describe this psalm is security. Amen? Don't we just read about God's love and security? There are two distinct voices in this psalm. Each speak to the trusting believer in the Lord. The first voice assures us of God's protection, verse 1 through verse 13. The second voice is that of the Lord himself, who likewise pledges his watchful care over us. An important caution is necessary. I like this insight. The great promises of verse 3 through verse 13 should not be taken as absolute uh, uh, sense. One may not be presumptuous in applying them. Satan himself has already suggested that. Remember, it's Satan that used this passage, taking it out of context and using it to try to tempt the Lord Jesus to cast himself off of the pinnacle of the temple. Rather, the believer, listen to this. You still with me? Rather, the believer must recall that deliverance still has to be the will of God. Is it? Is it always the will of God to deliver his people? Not always. I say most of the time, yes, but not always. And that even if harm should come, he can still be secure. Do you believe that? So even if harm comes our way, can we still be secure, knowing that the Lord's in control, he's in charge, and he's allowing these things to happen for his honor, glory, and our good? Yeah. Now, these verses that they give right there, Luke 21, Romans 8, Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read those to you right now. So the first one of Jesus speaking to his disciples. Kind of sounds contradictory. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. Now that, that sounds like my guardian angel's on vacation there. Some of you will even be put to death. Well, actually, how many were put to death? All but John. And then he says this, And ye shall be hated. See, let me tell you something. There's something wrong if the world loves you. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, because of me. 
but there shall not a hair on your head perish. He says, some of you are going to die, but not a hair on your head will perish. Now wait, does that sound contradictory? Yes or no? I think it does sound contradictory. But is it? No. And they shall never, what? Perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. Aren't you thankful to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord? Amen. Let's look at another one. As Paul wrote to the Roman church. <clears throat> he actually was in Corinth when he wrote this epistle. And we know this verse, Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. Everything what? Every, come on. Everything works together for good. If you love the Lord, that's the promise. Then he goes on in the chapter, picking up verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword? That doesn't sound good. Any of you want to go there? But what if God asks us to go there? Is, that his, is it that his love is no longer upon us? tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword. And as it is written, for thy sake they are killed all the day long. They are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than what? Not a hair in your head. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Even in death we are what? We are conquerors. How about the hall of faith? Now, you would think that everything would go well for these Christians, right? I mean, they made the hall of faith. See what it says. What should we say the more here in Hebrews chapter 11? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jethro and David and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured. Not accepting what? Can I tell you something? I'd rather be in the first half than in the second half. But listen, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection, more reward. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, jay, moreover, a bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed asunder, out. Could you imagine that? I can't imagine that. For their faith, they were laid on a board and they were sawn in two. And we can't even resist temptation for the cause of Christ. We can't even stand up and say a word for him. Well, let's just be like the world. Let's live like the world, let's drink like the world, let's dance like the world, let's do the things the world... God help us. Christian testimony in this country is in the toilet. You know why? Because we're not even willing to suffer a 
word of accusation, much less any of this. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. We're so concerned about making sure we have the nicest tennis shoes and the coolest hoodie. They were afflicted, they were tormented, they wandered around in deserts, in mountains, in dens, and in caves, homeless of the earth. All, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the what? I want to tell you, they look past this world to the next. They receive a better reward. Psalm 119. 114 says this. Read it with me. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Do you hope in his word? Do you? Well, these angels are active. They are busy. And they don't even quit when you die. Because when you die, there's a clear indication that these angels probably your own guardian angel will take you to be with the Lord. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.